It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to episode 21 of the Redirect Podcast. It's Friday, October 27th, 2017. I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. Welcome once again by Patrick and Ashley from the Black Truck team. Welcome, y'all, to the end of the week. Uh, good news on this end. We launched our website, like, officially to the public, like, took the curtain off, and woohoo! So that's been a long time coming. I don't know how long we've been working on that for, but... It's hard to work on your own things when you're working on 20 other people's things. Right, right, <laughs> yep. So good good and bad of that, right? So, But we're very yeah. pleased with it. Uh, very, very happy with uh, how it turned out, and... Um, I think the message that it it presents mm-hmm. to to everyone about about the company and who we are as a growing team. So, yeah, good stuff here. Um, does anyone want to take the lead off at all? There's I feel like there's a lot going on in the search space. Uh, you know, last episode we talked about in episode twenty, we dedicated that to um, celebrating twenty episodes as well as kind of more or less how to start mm-hmm. a podcast and things you need to know and things you want to be comfortable with and whatnot. And now we're going to get back more into the the meat of the discussion, uh, search-related. So, anybody? Well, my input this week doesn't have as much to do with, like, the, the rumblings of what's going on in the search world, but it is um, about cornerstone content. Cornerstone content? Yes. Is this, is this different than evergreen content? It's similar to evergreen content. Is this the hipster way of saying evergreen content? <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, it's something that I had been reading about before, and um, I found an article from WordStream this week. on. Um, it's called Seven Step Guide to Creating Cornerstone Content. Cornerstone Content. I'm still have a hard time with this. Like, I think we should create a brand called Evergreen and Cornerstone. <laughs> and we could be like this. We could sell hats. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, He's writing it down right now. So, Cornerstone, um, it, it is a real thing, Jason. Okay, so define it. <laughs> define it for us. So, um, think about foundational, okay. right? So, the cornerstone of a building is, you know... the kind of helps to set the foundation for the building or helps you build the building off of the cornerstone, right? Mm-hmm. So so cornerstone content is um, something that really speaks about your brand, your business, your product, what you do and who you are. Um, or it might be a tool. It's it's really top of funnel. Mm. You know, it's, it's more about creating awareness and, and bringing in traffic, getting people interested. Um, like service pages? Like if we would say like our, maybe like our core search engine optimization page versus uh, obviously blog posts mm-hmm. and things like that. I mean, are we talking more, more mm-hmm. like that? Yeah, along those lines. But even something that um, it might be a tool, like we've talked about cost calculators, oh, that sort of thing. So... Um, uh, it might end up being kind of even a long form piece of content as well. Um, so the the purpose is to establish authority in your industry and to bring in traffic. Um, again, it raises your brand awareness. Um, you might build some natural links um, if you're mm-hmm. you know providing value to people and they're linking back to your site. Um, and then it, f- it feeds your funnel. 
So you might end up building an email list because of it, for example. Um, so anyway, this article from WordStream, uh, a couple tips that I gleaned from there. Um, if you're going to offer something like this, uh, a lot of places will put this kind of content behind a paywall, which is just not right. going to serve the purpose in a lot of ways. I mean, I know this is very anecdotal, but for me, <clears throat> if I stumble upon something that I think is going to be super helpful, but I am like super top of funnel, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. even, I'm not considering purchase. I'm just doing research. I'm not going to give you my information just to find that. I'll go find it somewhere else. Yeah. So why not be that person that's going to offer that information to people? And then they're going to think more highly of you because you gave it to them for free, you know? So, um, yeah, no paywalls. And don't expect high conversions from this piece. The goal is to create a good first impression so that when the um, consumer wants to make a decision, they'll remember you and, and come back to you because you made that impression. So it's, it's not necessarily content that is um, that, that an individual would be... They, they don't maybe they don't have any knowledge of your brand is where I'm sure. going with it, yep. right? Sure. Yep. Exactly. Yep. <clears throat> yep. It's the foundational problem that your company is solving. Yeah. yeah that's a great way to look at it for sure. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, so examples that she gave were Moz's Beginner's Guide to SEO, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, and then another great example was a beauty brand that has an ingredient dictionary that breaks down all the freaky chemical names in beauty products. You know, that's something that's really helpful to people. They might be wondering, what the heck is this ingredient that I'm putting on my skin? And then, you know, they break it down. I thought that was, that's a really interesting way of going about it because you're not outright selling your product. You're providing value by explaining these complicated um, concepts to visitors. So... Um, that, that would apply to a number of different industries, too, really, For sure. if you went that route. Yeah. I, I mean, I really think that the takeaway from this, I mean, she, this article did break down, you know, the seven steps from choosing your topic all the way through to, like, optimizing and promoting and maintaining. Um, but I think the main takeaway from this is if you don't have cornerstone content, think about what that could be and take steps to get it out there. Mm. I think that it, you know, has a lot of value, um, and it's something that will keep feeding um you know, your traffic over time, especially, well, not just especially, um, just even if it has value, it needs to have value of some sort or it's not going to do the job. Um, And then if you do have cornerstone content, make sure you have a system in place for regular promotion and regular maintenance, maintenance, like um, keeping it up to date. If it's a tool like a cost calculator, can you find ways to improve it Mm -hmm. either from a user experience or just, um, you know, um, visuals or adding features to it, that sort of thing. Seasonality. Seasonality, for sure. So, yeah, um, I thought it was a very useful Being Being Black Truck's content content specialist, do you think there's a couple ways that people can maybe identify with what we we might deem as as cornerstone content? I mean, what what do you think? Obviously, we've talked about like Moz's Beginner's Guide mm-hmm. to SEO mm-hmm. um, or any kind of like cost calculator or something like that, but how would you, I'm totally throwing you into the, into the shark tank, but like how would you even go about identifying that? Would you go analytics data, strip out blog posts? Like what would you? Hmm, that's a good question. Yeah. I, 
I think you kind of just answered that analytics for sure. If you're looking for something that already exists that could serve as cornerstone content, Mm -hmm. you know, I think my thought on that is if you didn't purposely create something to be that like evergreen cornerstone content, then it's probably not serving that purpose 100%. So yeah, look through your analytics and find what is um, solving problems for your um, visitors, like Patrick mentioned, um, and then find ways to improve that and build it up as your cornerstone um, content. I think I read an article from Yoast a while back on that very topic. Hmm. So um, that's really good. I mean, really, I think there's a lot of really great points there. Check, uh, you know, we'll we'll put that in the show notes too. If, mm-hmm. uh, so if you're if you're listening, we we document like all of this and provide links to these helpful tips and and pull out the the top um, the top action items. So I think that's really great. That's good. Good find. Um, Pat, I'm going. I'm going next because sure. <clears throat> the two things I at least have on my radar are from a source you like to think about all the time. But the big thing, um, I like to follow what happens at the various conferences and and follow the chatter uh, in the social space whenever those are going on. And a lot of discussion was coming out of I think it was SMX East that was going on this week. Mm-hmm. Um, the big discussion around um, uh, actually the the whole mobile-first indexing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, w- you know, everybody's on pins and needles. Is this going to roll out? When's it going to roll out? And and there's a number of what I'll call, we'll call prolific industry folks that, that uh, I like to talk to about this stuff. And watch the chatter and you see, um, you know, Google's Gary Illies on Wednesday at SMX East confirmed that there's there's a few sites that are live and working in the mobile first index. So it's 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 rolling out mm-hmm. and it the rollout is is never going to stop rolling out, meaning mm-hmm. like like the, the mobile first index is going to be live for a few sites right now, but it's never going to stop rolling out. Like it's just going to yeah. keep rolling out. There's a lot of sites out there. Yeah. <laughs> But it's not um, the rollout is going to be from uh, at a host level or a domain level. It's not going to be a page by page level, right? So like a page isn't going to be indexed in the mobile index. Like mm-hmm. the whole domain is either going to be in the mobile right. index or not. Right. Right. So if you don't have a mobile friendly version of the site, or even if it's an M dot or something like that, like. Your, your desktop site is going to be included in yeah. the mobile index. Now, is it going to rank as well, and is it going to provide the best user experience? No, but th- that's going to be what's included in that index. Right. Um, that information kind of clarification comes from uh, Barry Schwartz, uh, known as Rusty Brick, on Twitter. Um, so that's that's kind of a good thing to kind of keep in radar, and I'm anxious just because I always love when changes happen. I like to see people freak out, <laughs> and I'm more of a let's be prepared but at the same time we need to see where where things are are headed so there's definitely some things moving around in in search algorithms but the big thing that i i really um big piece that i want to talk about is uh is that in addition to um kind of two things that play really well together and that's do we remove old content mm. and archive news stories so blog posts and what about what about changing dates on articles and what kind of uh, um, issues can that bring up? And so both of these are stemmed from SMX East as well as posts that Jennifer Slag did on the SEM posts. So 
a couple of really great articles that she was able to um, more or less corner <laughs> um, uh, individuals at, at Google on. And um, the one is actually from the state of search. So the potential spam issues that of changing article dates as well as do not remove uh, you know, older content archive news stories. So let's start with that one. Um, that's also a discussion point from the state of search that was in, in Dallas this month. Um, it was asked of Google's Gary Illies of, you know, is there a benefit to removing content, um, or, you know, content that goes into an archive or something like that? And in kind of our, our past and our experience, I, I don't think there's been a case where we've intentionally removed content ever. And so it's when I when I read this headline, I immediately latched onto it. I'm like, why the hell would you? What? what why would why you be? Would you why that? would you do that? You mm -hmm. know, archival is one thing to maybe not um, muck up and and blow to site from yeah. a user experience perspective. But if that content, the, the notion is, if that content is driving traffic, and you're going to be able to see that at the analytics data, at page level data, to say, I'm going to look at a post. It's generating content. Where's that traffic coming from? Mm -hmm. Should I get rid of it or should I not? I mean, there's pretty clear indications as to whether or not as a site administrator or as a digital marketer, you want to get rid of content. And, and sometimes it's just nice to have historical data there, like good, bad, and different, mm. especially if you're a news-based site or blog or something like that. Like if you, if you published it, in in this case, they're referencing 01 or it's or it's something about 9/11. Like, you don't want to you want to delete that content necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like, it, as as morbid or, or as unfortunate of a, a topic as that is, like you don't that's historical data. You don't want to get rid of that. So, mm -hmm. um, the the gist of this is is that yes, your site is going to expect traffic losses, right? Like traffic is going to decrease because you did away with those those pieces of content. Even if you threw a one redirect them and, and did all the proper things, like you did away with those pieces of content. You know, what if you had Wikipedia links built off of that or, um, you know, other people were citing that, mm. you know, mm -hmm. the, to go back through and manually try and update that is kind of a, a pain. But bottom line is don't, you know, don't remove the content for the simple fact that it's, it, that it's old, right? I mean, if anything, historical content's going to potentially help you you know, and you can always reference back to it and, hmm. and things like that. But then let's segue into the next one, which is, um, should we be updating the, basically the published date of a blog post? Yeah. And that was totally a tactic that was used and I think still gets used, um, by SEOs now of, man, we've got this, we've got this piece of content. Let's just update the date, right? The, like, the published that's, date. That's it. Let's just update the date. Yes, <laughs> correct. Um, and to make it look fresh. Yeah. Exactly. And instead of updating it with maybe new content. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I'd love to definitely have a conversation about that one. I, I think we're all on the same page about not removing old content from a site, but the fact of how do you go about the process of updating content? So you have a piece of content. Is it cornerstone? Mm -hmm. Is it evergreen? Uh, and maybe it's an evergreen piece that's getting updated because it's best of 2017, best of 2018, or it's, you know, the top nah, in Michigan, maybe it's the top craft breweries. 
of the year, and, and that's just updated. You leave the original published date alone, but you might have that kind of best practices snippet at the top that says this has been updated as of, you know, um, you know October 2017. But um, just would love to uh, get you guys' take on that, too. I've seen some pretty shady attempts at changing dates. Um, I remember one time, I was probably when that flavor of the week kind of started the big trends of let's just update content and change the date on it and it'll get re-indexed that mm-hmm. conversation you shared an article with me un- unrelated to this I was like oh yeah I remember reading this a long time ago and then I noticed that the article date was recent and further at the bottom of the article I noticed there is some data in it that was um, proved inaccurate and um I got thinking about it and I remember where I found it and where it was and it was in fact an old article that had been just updated with basically it like it was a long list of items and like one point had been updated so they changed the date republished it and it was supposed to be this new thing and I think it did get indexed that's probably how you found it yeah and um, I thought it was kind of a really poor reflection on that tactic well we've even heard people like like Will Reynolds at Sierra talk about how, you know, they've done user testing and stuff and see that people don't necessarily click on, on that based on like the newest, most recent, freshest article, like what that date is, what the published date is that Google's indexing. Um, That's probably going to go, we're going to go down this path of talking about uh, page titles and optimizing, you know, meta descriptions for click through rates. But um, you know, if, as far as a signal back, this is in the result to like a, regard to a, a signal back to Google. Is mm-hmm. that new data signal to Google that it, they should index it? Yeah, yeah. And, and what what Illy's is saying from Google is that you know from their perspective, from like core rankings, that that definitely this could potentially hurt you because Google's what he's saying is Google's not going to believe your dates anymore. Yeah, and I, and I don't think they have to, right? I mean, with the advances in in machine learning, and probably as quickly as that's as that's moving forward, like again, does your does your date really matter if it helps the user in and provides the best experience? No, the date doesn't matter. Yeah, if you get down to the the meat of it, you're mm-hmm. manipulating a date. If you're manipulating a date, you're manipulating a system, mm-hmm. and we're working to create a human like web experience. And anytime there's a manipulation you can see right through it so it seems it seems to me that the more the more newsy the more news related content that's okay but you're not going to go in and if those are current events you're not going to go in and manipulate that you shouldn't be manipulating that date anyways right, right. Um, so those dates are going to be important like uh, date bylines and search results those are going to be helpful um, as it relates to the relevancy of the search uh, result or not but if you were, if if you were, uh, you know, a general blogger or something like that, and it wasn't current events. I mean, what, like you said, Ashley, just updating the date to update the date to make it look right. fresh. Google's saying, ah, nope. So then, how does that relate to <clears throat> if you have, say, an old blog post that has a, spe- you know, it might be like a how to do this. Mm-hmm. And the information has changed, and you want to provide updated information, and you want people to see that updated information. From a best practices perspective, I think that was the big, that's a really good question because that's that 
I feel like you're on this fine line of do we up, do, is it the date, is it not? And the big one is um, uh, some publishers, you know, they'll include the original published date, they'll leave it as is, but then add additional updates above or below. And mm. and that seems to be the the general push, right. the general direction is that that even if this article was written, say, at this point last year, um, you know, you put that little disclaimer, like, this has been updated uh, as of October right. 2017 type of thing. Hmm. Um, so maybe you do have that piece of evergreen content or even your cornerstone content that that tells the user that this is this is updated. Now, certainly some types of content are not, that's, dates are not important as others. So. Mm-hmm. But certainly something to keep an eye on if you're, yeah. if you're using that tactic just to kind of, you know, update dates from an SEO's perspective, that's not going to get you anywhere. And at the same time, too, if you have four pages from four competing sites that all have similar data and they're all from, let's say, 2014, when they're originally published or the page was created, but there's a signal on the back end being sent back to Google that says, hey, this page just was refreshed and optimized uh, within the last 90 days. This site might have a little bit more clout to it, so mm-hmm. we'll put this one ahead. Yeah. So it's all, it's, it's It doesn't there. mean the original published date is, is yeah. changed, is right. what you're saying. Right, yeah. the, the published date might not be relevant, but the content that's getting updated can be seen as the relevant, so it's the win without manipulation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. A lot of content talk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, along that same uh, conference that you referenced, SMS East, SMX East, um, there's a presentation about um, manual penalties Ooh. from Google. Uh, and penalties is something I always talk about here in the office in the form of duplicate content. So that's Google. That's uh, So when, you, when we talk about a manual pen- penalty, yeah. that's... That's a manual action it's from Google saying yeah. that is not a machine. That's Google's uh, search quality team saying yep. no. Yeah, so I always talk about uh, duplicate content, and that's done on an algorithmic approach. It's automated. They see it, and they can just hit the switch and go, and there's, it's not seen mm-hmm. by a person. These are the ones where they're, they're basically their QC team. Their quality control team will go through and check out stuff. And that, I, I don't know how they get to pick a site. I don't know how they <laughs> pick a page, and like, or if it's like a... They've got people on the street getting tips like, "Hey, go check out, go, go check out these guys. You, sh- you should check them for for quality." Um, but uh, it all goes back to um, Search Console. Mm-hmm. Um, check with your Search Console consistently when you think maybe there could be something going on, or you're in the process of trying to improve your site. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll send your signal there. If you, if you're getting a penalty, that's where you go to find out. You know, they don't know your email. They don't know your inbox. Yeah. You know, they, they're not going to say, hey, Google's not going to email you. Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah. the biggest spam right. tactic or phishing tactic that's out there, I mean, come on, right. Google is not going to, yeah. to do that. Um, so um, we have um, several different things to review when we're looking at um, what we could be getting signals from or... or um, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a second. The mailman just We're going to blame the mailman. Yeah. This is live. Yeah. No minutes. Yeah. No we should have had him join us. We, we gave him the, the shush <laughs> finger, but uh, he had crinkly mail for us. Um, so things to look for that aren't necessarily on your site is unnatural links back to your website, mm. um, user-generated content spam. If you have a site that 
gets a lot of comments and posts or whatnot, you can get a lot of um, commenting spam in there, and that could be sent back to a signal. Somebody sees like that. If you're not going taking the time to delete the mm. spam comment that's coming into your site, uh, and I'm a reviewer coming back and looking, and I see all this willy-nilly commenting going on, then obviously the site is not um, benefiting and it's not getting the attention it should be, and you might see Boy, I, that way. I hate to say it, but affiliate marketers come to mind when, when we talk about that. You know, you're running a site, and you're just just banging out content. It's like um, it's, it's reviews of product and, yeah. and that type of thing. It's just open yourself mm-hmm. up for, for comments, man. Right, right. Um, affiliate links, that was one of the things on their list. Um, Another thing is that is poor quality widgets, coupon codes, really bad anchor text, links to international sources, um, directories. That was something I, th- I thought was like, oh, I kind of cringed at because in, um, as a previous life <laughs> SEO, I, I focused in the, the directory world back when the flavor of the month was get in directories, mm-hmm. you know, and now if, if your site is listed in a bunch of directories like the you gotta watch them. Yeah, you gotta be careful and, and remove yourself on those. And we're not we're not talking your local uh, chamber of commerce yeah, directory. Right. We're Definitely. talking we're talking yeah. spammy directories. Yeah, back in the days and when Google said no, Dmoz is good, <laughs> and I, you look at Dmoz like who in the world is using this? Yeah. and then um, this is the world of directories that made Dmoz look good. Mm. So uh, a lot of that is out there, uh, and. It's stuff that you got to pay attention to, and if maybe you inherited a site that used to have this, or you are an SEO at an agency that has inherited a new client uh, that has a history, or maybe they used to have a previous agency that was doing things a little unscrupulous or uh, played in that game in the, the late 2010s or, uh, or 20 teens in that area when things were just really kind of starting to throw different Shift stuff at the wall yeah. and seeing what would, what would work. Um, so it's all stuff that regularly should be reviewed. Hmm. That's really great. And uh, were there any tips on what to do if you are if you are uh, affected you know, by a manual penalty? Was there was it, there anything in there? It said start the process of removing it. Yeah. It says go take them case by case. Yeah. And it's all going to stem through Search Console. Yep. So and you have to take action through Search Console. Yes. I think is the thing to to yeah, remember is, and learn at the end of the day. That's is, a gateway. Yeah. So step one: make sure you have Search Console set up. Right. Monitor it. Uh, step two, if that does happen, unfortunately, right. um, you need to take action through Search Console. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And since they're updating that more regularly in what we might call a live environment, um, that'll be great. Plus, uh, some Search Console changes are going to come, too. That was another yep. thing that I was kind of researching a little bit this week, too, um, that maybe we'll talk about in the next episode. Search Console is a really effective, powerful tool, and I don't think enough people utilize no. it. No. Well, I think it's. I think if you were an SEO or even a deep, we'll, we'll say like a deep geek digital marketer, you will. Um, but I think the general, the general marketer practitioner will not, mm-hmm. just because it can be a little cumbersome. So if you don't know, you know. How to maximize it. But no, really great, really great pieces. So um, good content shared uh, by everyone. And please do, uh, for those of you listening, check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com as well as uh, subscribing to our podcast through uh, Stitcher and iTunes. Until next time, good luck. And we'll talk to you then. This has been the Redirect Podcast. 
check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher. <laughs>